Welcome to the Most True You podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Irene. I have my very, very good friend, Courtney Creaney, with me today. And I have known Courtney since first grade. Is that right, Courtney? First grade? Yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. So I'm not going to tell anyone how many years it's been, but it's been a significant number of years that we've known each other. And Courtney and I have done all sorts of fun things together. I was thinking about some of the places that you and I have gone together, Courtney, um, as far back as like, remember that time that we went with my dad and we stayed at this cabin, like in the middle of nowhere woods, he was doing some work on it. Uh Uh-huh. There was like no electricity, so we're like listening to Annie Lennox in the truck. <laughs> yes. Oh gosh, Annie Lennox. We had oh, we wore that tape out to the point where like I can't listen to Annie Lennox anymore. No, I can't <laughs> either. Every once in a while I'll hear her and I'll be like, oh no, I still can't. Um and let's see, we've gone to Florida. You have visited me in South Carolina. We have gone to London and Paris. That was a really fun one. I got to visit you in New York. That was really fun. That's right. Yeah. Um, so as I was, even after I had asked you about being on the podcast, I was thinking we, you really have been a huge part of my life in terms of like me kind of finding my mo- most true self. You've been part of that journey for, I mean, all of it really in different ways. And so it's kind of, I'm excited for our conversation, but um, I think it's helpful for people to kind of know that we have that history mm-hmm. and um, we certainly won't be able to touch on all of it, but I'm excited to talk about you finding your most true you. And it's funny because I think of you, Courtney, as like one of the most authentic people that I've met in my entire life. Like you've just well, always to me been an authentically you person. I feel the same way about you. And I was just about to say that about our friendship. And I think that's what's kept us so close so long um, is because there has just been a very um, deep, authentic friendship. I mean, we, we just have always bonded on a, on a level where we like our, our friendship was never based on social norms or, you know, what was popular or fashion or anything like that. It was always just based on, um, enjoying life and each other and ourselves and enjoying each other for being ourselves, no matter how ridiculous or silly or absurd or, um, outside of the box we were being, we just (laughs) loved you know, being ourselves. And yeah. That's kind of what our, our whole friendship has been based on, which is why it's lasted our whole lives. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. Cause I don't know anybody else who I'd say like, I'm still really close, you know, that I'm close to, yeah. um, that I've known even part of that, you know, half of that time. Yeah. So it definitely, I think you've always made room for me to be myself and that's gone both ways. So mm-hmm. It's special what we have. Yeah. Well, I would love to hear your side of kind of who you are now and how that relates to you being, you know, what does it mean for you at this point in your life to be the most true version of Courtney that there currently is? I'm going through a very extraordinary experience right here in this moment. And, and it's, 
at the same time as thousands of people across the world. Um, it, it's such an incredible experience. So um, I was recently diagnosed with ADHD in, I think want to say October. And um, it was the beginning of finally connecting all of the dots in my life. It was, I, I grew up, you know, I'm, I'm just going to say I'm 38 years old. Uh, and I haven't been very open about my age my whole life because I've always been judged by it. And it's, I didn't feel like I should be judged by a number, but in this case, it's kind of relevant because it shows how much life I went through Mm -hmm. before I actually like found what, who I was exactly before I actually found clarity in who I was. Um, I was this um, kind of a black sheep, but not, but I always, I always say I was this uh, crazy clown monster. I was, <laughs> I was, I see it was like the rainbow sheep. <laughs> yeah, the rainbow sheep. Yeah. I never want to say black sheep. Cause, Cause I'm you're definitely black. anything but a black sheep. <laughs> right. Because right. I was never angry and I was never like goth or anything. I was always, I was like the care bear sheep. Yes. Um, but <laughs> Yeah, I I was always weird. Um, I was always different. And in my early years, it really hurt my feelings when people would say things like that. And I wanted to be accepted by everybody because I felt this need to have a deep connection with everyone, mm. uh, which I'm finding is a, a largely ADHD thing where we just need constant like meaningful connection like we want to skip all the surface stuff and we want to go straight to like the heart of who you are and really like know people um and so it really hurt me to think that people didn't relate to me and that people saw me as weird or bizarre or were like turned off by me um and over the years I've I was never really willing or able to discard that part of myself Mm. because I don't know. It was just, it was just ingrained. That's just who I was. It was the way my brain worked. It was the way I lived life. It was the way I thought about the world. Um, You can't really change that. It's like, it is the essence of you. And so at some point I just thought, you know what? I'm not going to change. I can't change. This is who I am. I have to just love it. And I think part of that actually happened. And forgive me, I'm going to tear up a little bit. I, I do have emotional dysregulation. Which You're, crying. You're crying. crying. <laughs> um, I remember the, um, the first part of my life that that really was clear to me. And it was um, the first time someone fell in love with me Mm -hmm. uh, because he actually loved me for all of the things that I had been trying to hide and for all of the things that I was ridiculed and discarded for up to that point. Things like loving cartoons and my addiction to candy and um, my sense of adventure and just wanting to do anything and not giving a crap what people thought of it. 
Yeah. Um, and he loved me for those things instead of in spite of them. And seeing him do that made me love myself for those things because I finally honored them. I finally stopped trying to shove them in the closet and be like, well, you, I'm not going to show these to you because you're going to ridicule me. I finally started to be proud of them mm. and not give a shit who doesn't like it. Yeah. And, and what it ended up doing was showing me the type of people I want to keep close to me. The people who, when I was myself and was proud of myself, who loved me because of that. And I kept those people as close as I possibly could. And they are all now lifelong friends. Um, and you have been with me since even before that. And, and I would say that you probably experienced a lot of the same stuff that I did. And that's probably why we connected so well. Mm -hmm. um, and, and since then, I've been able to identify the people that I want to keep close to me. And I've just been slowly gathering this lifelong group of friends who are absolutely invaluable to me. And I no longer am offended by people who don't want to participate. It's just, you know, there's two, there's what, 8 billion people in the world now. I can't have 8 billion friends. So <laughs> I would like to, you know, keep the ones who really get me and the ones who really want to get me. Oh, my, my followers are are connecting with me. I love you guys so much. Uh, so anyway, that's and if you want to respond to that during this, Courtney, you totally can. So, and just for those who are listening on the podcast reporting, so a recording, so they know Courtney's also doing a live on her TikTok account. So we're going to be kind of going back and forth with that. Yeah. They're saying it's hard to hear me. So I'm going to try and adjust my microphone a little bit. Okay. Um, see if that helps. But uh, they're all they're all really relating and saying, I feel you, I feel you. And this was this was part of why I brought this up is um, the other major healing shift in my life has been finding my presence on TikTok uh, because. Yes, yes, I in that moment, I did find someone, one person who loved me for who I was, this crazy clown monster, as I called it, right? But that was one person. Yeah. And I still in my daily life felt massively understood, misunderstood and different and weird and broken and um, childish. And mm. I didn't know how to fix it. And I really, I didn't feel like I could fix it. And I didn't know if I should fix it. And so as I'm learning about ADHD, oops, hold on. as I'm here learning about ADHD from after my diagnosis, I hop on TikTok, which is chock full of dopamine. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> if you know anything about ADHD, it's basically, it, it, it's all dopamine related. Um, we, our brains process dopamine very quickly. And so it makes us need dopamine constantly. Um, so it makes things like TikTok extremely addictive to us. Um, but the cool thing about it was that all my fellow ADHDers were also addicted to TikTok and we were all learning that we had ADHD <laughs> and started teaching each other about it and relating to each other. And 
there's also this new, there's a lot of new information now out about women with ADHD and Mm. how it manifests in us differently. And so, and we don't necessarily have to be like hyper little boys who talk too much. Um, We can be daydreamers. We can be people who have constant, you know, ideas and huge imaginations. Um, And I think so many people right now, particularly women, are getting diagnosed in their 30s as we speak. And so there's so many people that are exactly in the same position as me. So as I started just barfing out these videos of my experience, I had this huge, amazing outpouring of all of these people who were essentially identical twins. And here I was this crazy clown monster my whole life, not knowing that I had thousands and millions of identical twins out there who would completely relate to me and show me all of the things that were weird about me that they do too. So all of my little panic attacks from the way my clothes feel, the surrounding myself with bright colors, the rainbow hair, like there's so many ADHDers (laughs) with rainbow hair. It's like, all of these things that I felt so weird about, I'm finding these people who are exactly like me. They're like my long lost brothers and sisters. Um, And we're all having that experience at the same time. And it is massively healing. Um, And it's, and it's only after I've already accepted that I'm weird. (laughs) (laughs) Really, I'm just learning that we're just underpopulated. Uh, I think that, all of that is so powerful. And just thinking about, you know, you talked a little bit about your experience as a kid and feeling so out of place. And I can remember, you know, a ton of conversations around that where you have felt that I have felt that. Mm -hmm. Um, And I love that you are in a space now where you're realizing like, shit, a lot of people have been feeling that their whole lives as well. Mm -hmm. And we've had this idea of what's normal that I think has been very overrepresented. Right. Right. Um, So I love that you're doing so much just naturally to represent your beautiful rainbow sheepness or uh, colorful monster to use your words. Um, and finding that there's a whole bunch of other beautiful, colorful people out there too, that felt like they were supposed to be, you know, I don't know. I'm like, I'm, I kind of have this vision in my mind of, you know, they're thinking, Oh, there's this term black sheep, but that doesn't fit because I don't really feel like that. But then I'm still feeling like an outsider. So what am I? And you are creating this space for people to come and go, Oh yeah. Me too. Mm -hmm. I feel that way too. Right. Yeah. And we're all all becoming this amazing supportive system for each other that we didn't have before now. Uh, So it's insane. And I don't, I don't know how many of my followers understand how much healing I get from them. Like when Mm -hmm. we comment on someone's videos and stuff, we just kind of think that it's like, a celebrity and all these comments just go through and they don't mean anything. But honestly, like for me to just barf out my weirdness to the world and have all of these people vulnerably say, Oh my God, I thought I was the only one 
Mm. It's so healing to me because here I thought I was alone all this time. And now all of you, like with every video I do, I have hundreds of people saying, oh my God, you're me. (laughs) (laughs) That makes me incredibly happy to know that there are so many people out there who are so much like you because you (laughs) are. Um, insane. I'm, 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 we have to get a slumber party going. Oh. I'm telling my following, we've got to do a slumber party because this is going to be the most amazing slumber party ever. It really would be. Uh, that sounds incredible. <laughs> well, I want to talk about something that um, you and I also have in common and you had mentioned to me in a text and that is um, kind of our propensity toward being in a narcissist a narcissistic relationship, right? A relationship mm-hmm. with somebody who has those characteristics right. and why we might, you know, and I, I have not been diagnosed with ADHD. I don't know that that's where I'm at. I am neurodiverse. I know that I haven't quite figured out like what that is for me. Um, but there's a lot of things that really resonate with me. And so one of those that you and I have talked about in the past too, is just this like, man, Courtney, for better or worse, you and I have stuck it through some really shitty relationships. (laughs) I mean, that's a nice way to say it, right? Like we don't have to give, you don't have to give any details you don't want to, but like, I would love to hear how you are seeing the ADHD connection to that. Uh, By the way, that we are ADHDers are very prone to narcissistic abuse and it goes, uh, there's a few different elements to it. One is um, the empathy element. There's a, we have a lot of empathy. Um, The other is that is the low self-esteem. So Mm -hmm. we're, especially us late diagnosed, we're, called lazy, stupid, spoiled our whole lives instead of actually like getting the help we need. Instead of, instead of people recognizing that we were struggling, we were instead like, um, written off and what's the word persecuted for, um, like being lazy. And it was mostly by adults. Um, and so we believed them because here's this authority. Here's the people that are supposed to be teaching us about life telling us that we are lazy, that we're spoiled, that we're stupid. Um, And so a lot, most of us, I I almost want to say all of us, end up with low self-esteem. And we give, we hand people too much power. So we're likely to have imposter syndrome. And I'm dealing with that a lot with my following right now because people go into the doctor's office and they see the word doctor and they see the degree and they just, you know, roll over and, okay, whatever you say, whatever you say. But that doesn't necessarily, that degree doesn't necessarily mean that that doctor is a good listener or is good at their job. Like we just are so um, prone to just handing everyone our power and letting them do whatever they want, they want with us. And so it leads to us not having any boundaries at all and not sticking up for ourselves. So that's what makes us prone to narcissistic abuse. And I think that you and I, you really helped me a lot through that whole process of like finally detaching myself. And it, I think it just gets to the point. And I remember, I remember you and I talking about it and you just saying like, 
I know you're not ready yet, but you'll get there. You'll, you'll mm. be at the place one day where you're finally just sick of it. And I, I knew you were right. And I knew I just wasn't in that moment yet. Yeah. And it came at one, at finally, at some point, I just had it because yeah. I was, you know what? No one's looking out for me. No one has my back. If no one's going to look out for me, I have to look out for me. It's life or death. I'm going to end up taking my own life because I'm so miserable. So am yeah. I going to do that or am I actually going to do something about this? Because I can't get walked on anymore. I just can't. And if no one's going to take care of me, I have to take care of me. And at that point, that was where I finally started drawing boundaries. And I'm, I'm hoping that my, I want to try and empower my followers so that they don't get to that point. I want them to stand up for themselves and see that they're worth drawing boundaries before it's life or death. Yeah. That's so hard to do when you haven't and when you're in a relationship that exists in large part because you haven't drawn those boundaries. Like that's what it was for me. I can't speak for anyone else, but for me, that's what it was. I was in a relationship that literally existed because I let go of my own boundaries. I had broken up with him at one point. And the reason that we got back together and eventually got married was because he told me that I couldn't know what I wanted. I couldn't know what God wanted and I needed to trust him. And it was a combination of that and his mom calling me crying because I had broken her son's heart. And how could I do such an awful thing? And so I had to give him one more chance. And that one more chance turned into a decades or a decade, one decade long abusive marriage. Kelly, that is all empathy. Right. This is what is so heartbreaking is like, the best people, the <laughs> best fucking people, the best of the best people that I know get taken advantage of because it's so easy because we are so kind and generous and willing to give that to them that they, yes. they just take it. Yeah. Hold on so like for people who are in that, you know, I think about for me, what finally kind of shook me out of that was somebody pointing out, a very good friend of mine pointing out to me, she just introduced me to the cycle of abuse and gaslighting. Hmm. And it was in those two things that I, and she made, you know, at one point I was telling her something, I don't remember what it was, but she just looked at me and she said, Kelly, that's not normal. Yeah. And I was like, what? <laughs> What do you mean that's not normal? Right. Like it didn't occur to me that my relationship wasn't normal, let alone that it was abusive. And it was in her just saying, you know, I just want you to look at this. Just take a look that I was able to start to see it. And that's what brought me to that point of being capital D done. Like that's what I like to say. When you're capital D done, like you're not going back. You know you're done. Mm -hmm. But I love this idea of empowering others to be setting those boundaries before they get to that capital D done point. And so I would love to hear your thoughts on what that could look like. Yeah. um, Boundaries are a big thing right now, um, especially because with ADHD, there's a lot of misunderstanding about it. And there's still a ton of that old um, mindset of, oh, just do the thing. Oh, you're just being lazy. Oh, come on. You just need a little willpower. And so when people get diagnosed, it doesn't, 
just because all they're connecting all the dots and just because they're getting peace of mind doesn't mean the people around them are. And so they're still subject to the people who roll their eyes and go, "Ugh, you're going to use ADHD as an excuse for everything. And mm. I, it, it's so difficult to help people through that because that's the people they've built their life around. Right. And they're so ingrained in it at that point that it's like, well, I mean, you can go the long route and you can try and plant seeds of knowledge because knowledge helps, you know, if people understand that this is an actual neurological trait in your brain that's different from 95% of the people, then maybe that'll help them understand a little bit. But if you're with somebody who just refuses to get it and doesn't want to understand you, that's a toxic person. That yeah. you have to separate yourself. Otherwise, you're going to get walked all over. And um, it's interesting to me that you, you say that you didn't um, know that there was anything wrong with it because you were so focused on working on yourself, like being a good person. Like we, we get so involved in like, am I being a good person? Am I honest? Am I kind? Am I generous? That we forget to make sure that we're protected. Like, cause we assume that other people are doing the same thing. We assume that other yeah. people are saying, am I good? Am I a good person? And that should inherently protect us from abuse, but it doesn't. Yeah. And they're not doing the work because they're not us. Yep. So I think, I think it's just really important to put as much focus on your own health and your own well-being as it is uh, you being a good person. I love that in that perspective, <clears throat> excuse me, or that question of am, am I being protected in this like I think about all the situations that occurred both through dating and through marriage where one of the things that I did that was really healing and that helped me kind of realize, yes, I was making the right decision by filing for divorce was I went back through my stories and I wrote them without trying to protect him. So I had, you know, over 13 years of knowing him, I had always told stories through the lens of making sure that he looked good in those stories. And what I realized through writing all of those, not all of them, but as I, the ones that I did write is that, um, I wasn't protected and I didn't, I don't think I used that language at that point. Like hearing you say it, I'm like, oh yeah, that totally makes sense. But I, you know, what I realized then was I've been harmed Mm-hmm. through each of these different things that have happened. I have been harmed and I didn't realize it because I was so focused on trying to make sure that he looked good when I told those stories. Yeah. And so whether it was through big things like the birth of my kids or talking about moving or um, other really big life things that we went through, or even just the day-to-day like stupid shit that would happen when I would go to the grocery store and somehow that would become an opportunity to be abused um, or for him to abuse me. Mm-hmm. You know, every single one of those stories were retold through the lens of making sure that he looked good. And so I think like for anyone who's listening to this, who isn't sure, being able to ask that question, am I being protected is huge. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And in 
protecting him, you were, um, you were essentially taking away your own protection. Yeah. You were making yourself, you were harming yourself. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's interesting. Um, I think that when, when you, let's see, when you're someone who has a lot of empathy, you tend to get in relationships where you want to fix people or, or you're forgiving of people with damage. And that's 100% understandable um, to feel for people who have damage, for people who um, have struggles and trauma. Um, and that was a lot of it for me. It was like, I was raised to see everyone as a poor baby Mm-hmm. And I don't regret that. I absolutely love that part of my personality. I love that I can see the human side in everyone. Um, but it, you have to look at it in terms of it's it's almost like the U.S. Constitution. It's like your your rights are protected until they encroach upon someone else's rights. So it's okay to exercise empathy towards someone and want to help them and see them as a poor baby and see them for their trauma and, and love them in spite of it. But the moment that it becomes toxic and starts harming you, that's when it needs to stop. That's where the line needs to be drawn. So you can help somebody who's reaching out for help. You can sympathize with somebody who's maybe working through something, um, or you can maybe help someone realize a trauma that they've had that they didn't understand that they had. Um, but as far as like lifting up, like getting in a relationship and lifting up way more than your share, it's not okay. It's abusive to you. Yeah. Gosh, all of that is so, it's so true and so powerful. And I'm wondering, you know, listening to you say this, I'm like, yes, I'm, we're not, you can't see me right now, but I, I was just like putting my hands in the air, like, thank goodness. Yes, this is so true. (laughs) But I'm wondering like how, Courtney, what has this journey been like for you? I mean, how did you get to this point of being able to say all of that with, you know, you're able to say it so naturally with such conviction. Um, And I know, you know, you've had a lot of healing through what you've shared on TikTok, but like what else has been helping you get to this point? When Courtney and I were kids, TGIF was a set of television shows on Friday nights. If we wanted to record something, we had to use a VHS tape in the VCR. Sometimes right when we got to the cliffhanger of a really great episode on TV, we'd get a sign coming on our screen that would say, to be continued, dot, dot, dot. And that's where we're at today. So... If you want to find out what else helped Courtney in her healing journey, you're going to have to come back next week because this is your To Be Continued. I want to thank you for listening to this podcast. You have so many options to choose from, and I love that you chose the Most True You podcast. You can support the podcast by subscribing and reviewing the podcast, particularly via iTunes. You can find out more information about our guests in the show notes. 
And you can find out more information about me on my website at ikellyirene.com and more information about the podcast at mosttrueupodcast.com. Until next week, many blessings, my friends. 